3: Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today, and happy Cinco de Mayo to all of you celebrating on this May the 5th, 2020. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pisapia, here on the show, as Joe is back at the controls of Fantasy Sports Today. Joe, it's great to have you here with me on the show today, and this week, and next week, and sort of moving forward here, I think. So, uh, you know, it's uh, wild times, and you and I hosted a lot during the football season, and they figured, why not throw us back together during a pandemic? It always seems like you are you and I are just destined to host shows together. How we well?
4: are. I'm your
2: soulmate.
4: I am your your broadcasting soulmate. I know you're hoping for someone more attractive, like maybe an Aaron Andrews or somebody like that could have been your broadcasting soulmate. But no, you got the bald Italian from Brooklyn who lives in New Jersey, and you're stuck with him forever and ever. And uh, I gotta tell you, there's nobody I'd rather be stuck with because forget all those attractive uh, sports reporter people out there. You know. The hair of Craig Mish right now in quarantine back. is so tight. It is so good. Man, I'm just happy to just be in the presence of this hair on Cinco de Mayo. So it's like a fiesta. It's a party. I can't think of a better day to start back again with you.
3: Yeah, there, there's no camera in the back, so that's a good thing here because the back is not It's, <laughs> it's not all party
4: in the party. front when it comes to Craig Michigan. It's a hair. big
3: party. My wife is convinced this is the way that I should keep going and I and I need to keep going, but I I would
4: I, never know that anything's wrong in the back. It looks just it looks I vain. know, but
3: that is the point, you know. I would look like Clyde Drexler in the the Last Dance videos, going to the hoop. You know, you it's don't want look. that.
4: I think the Clyde Drexler look is going to make a comeback.
3: I really do. I think. So it's then, then I'll go thinking. with the Drexler. I I saw Ray Allen grew his hair back. Did you see that a couple weeks ago on a bet? Well, I bet I'm sure that everybody has their. Well, actually, <laughs> not, not you, but <laughs> not me.
4: This <laughs> guy's just perfectly fine right now. This, this, like this was I'm made
3: buying. for you. This pandemic was made uh, for you. I'm not prepared.
4: Here, look, listen to this. I work from home. I'm already a stay-at-home dad anyway for all these years. Yeah. I'm bald, so the hair maintenance is perfectly fine. Sure. I can cook. Quarantine was made for me. I mean, that's it. I went outside, played catch with my daughters for a little while, came back in do the show. It's just like a regular old uh, regular old Tuesday here.
3: It is good. It's good to see you, and, and I'm glad that your family is safe and everybody is doing well. And so uh, when you tune in now uh, throughout the week from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, it'll be myself. It'll be uh, Joe Pizapia. And then if, uh, you know, certainly we have anything to cover in terms of live sports, whether it's NASCAR, football, baseball, basketball, that's what we will handle for sure as we embark on the month of May. Um, So before we go any further, we start off, unfortunately, uh, your first show back here, essentially a a little bit of a somber note, uh, for sure, uh, as Don Shula, who a lot of people think is or was the greatest NFL coach of all time, passed away at the age of 90. There's a lot of things that I could say about Don Shula because I did have a chance to get to know him pretty well through the years and uh, did not cover him as a coach because at that point it was, I I think I was a little too young to be in the media at that point. It was close. It was very, it was borderline at that point. I did cover Jimmy Johnson, but I never did cover uh, the Don Shula era. And I want to get into that specifically. But Joe, I'll tell you just from my perspective, because people have texted me and asked me today what my opinion was about him. And I did send something out on social media yesterday about it, which was I had an opportunity for about 10 years to host a television show in South Florida, which was called Miccosukee Sports Rap. Miccosukee is an Indian tribe here in South Florida, and they have a casino. They had a television show, and I was the executive producer and the host of that show. Now, along with me on that show were two former members of the Miami Dolphins, and Kim Bocamper and Joe Rose, uh, Bocamper at defensive end, Joe Rose a tight end who both played under Don Shula. And Don Shula came on our show many times. And I've interviewed and spoken to Don Shula many times. And it was amazing to me, Joe. And and it kind of, we'll get into Belichick sort of here for a minute, because I think that a comparison, I wonder, at some point will be made. But the thing that struck me most was Kim Camper, Joe Rose, and all of the Miami Dolphins players who played under Don Shula, Joe, were scared of Don Shula. He was an animal as a coach. He was fiery. He was a yeller. He was a screamer. He would let you have it. It was hard to believe, Joe. It's like one of those things where it, it's the opposite. You know, sometimes you meet your heroes mm-hmm. and they look so nice on television. And then you meet them and you're like, oh, this guy wasn't as nice. It was the opposite with this. I'm like hearing all, I used to hear all these stories about he was yelling and getting off my sideline and. You know, go take a shower and and just the kind of things that you couldn't get away with now as a coach, honestly. And and Coach Shula Joe was the nicest man. He was so nice, smiling, jovial all the time, from immediately right after he was done coaching all the way up until he passed yesterday. So that's kind of where I wanted to start with that. And the reason why I would say that is because like I would just love to know one day when it's all said and done, and Belichick in two, three, five years decides to retire. Because I think that fair at this point, it's fair to say that Belichick is the best NFL coach of all time and has passed Don Shula. I think that's fair. But I wonder if Belichick is as nice as Don Shula. (laughs) Because because he is not on television or in person. And I wonder when it's all done, is Belichick going to be this fun, jovial, laughable type guy? Because uh, that's Coach Shula, man. He was just so great.
4: Well, you always got to separate the professional from the person, right, too? I mean, you know, the the public persona and the private one as a coach, very different. And I think the fascinating thing you just brought up, too, if you just watch some of those, one was just on the other night. It was with Belichick on one of those, uh, the all-time great 100 list for the NFL. And they were doing the secondaries one. He had Ed Reed. And Ed Reed was always one of his favorite guys. He would always just gush about Ed Reed. And you could see, like, he's making jokes. He's talking to Ed Reed. He's excited to be in the presence of Ed Reed. And I think that's kind of the environment where you get these guys and they're talking about the game or they're kind of removed from certain things and they can have fun. Whereas, you know, the media aspects of the, the, you know, the the day-to-day dealing with the players, the day-to-day dealing with the media, you know, it can kind of wear on anybody. I think the most impressive thing about Shula, when I think of Shula, is a guy that coached in the decade of the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and for a short time, the 90s. Yeah. Four decades. And I can't, Fathom how different the tone in those rooms were compared to the 60s athlete of look, you know, team first, all these things and that mentality to by the time you get to the 80s and 90s of the, the players becoming so huge, some almost bigger than the game themselves at certain points, the egos, all of those things changing, the money changing, all of that, and how different it was to be a football coach. In the 60s and 70s, compared to the 80s and 90s, and making that transition with the, the kind of players, the, the style of the game. And the guy who coached Johnny Unitas also got to coach Dan Marino, which is kind of stunning, too, when you think about it. And you mentioned that, that Belichick comparison to the fact that they're 50 uh, something wins away from each other right now. I mean, a good another six seasons or so with Belichick winning about 10 games, and he's going to get there. And I think that's why he's hanging. I think that's what you've seen here. I think there's a decision that's been made of, all right, the Brady era is over. Now I'm going to go and i will going to try to get this one last thing. And I don't think he's motivated by that. I think he's motivated just like Shula, just about winning football games. He just wants to coach football for as long as anybody's going to let him coach football. That's what made Shula so special. That was the staying power. It wasn't trying to prove anything. I think it's all just a matter of, he loves the game. The game is everything. It's his life. It's what he wants to do always. And he found a soulmate in Brady because Brady's the player version of that. And when you put those two guys together, that's how you get this kind of a dynasty. The other thing we just covered on my podcast uh, just yesterday, too, which is kind of funny. We were going through best coaches of all time and all the wins. And then we could do some of the worst coaches. And we came full circle. One of the worst winning percentages is actually his son, who has a 290-something winning percentage. Has yeah, just but he only 12 wins. He did. Well, he coached a couple years in there. but did he with the been... Bengals? Yeah, twelve and fifty nine I think was awesome. the was wow. the twelve and fifty five. So to to imagine, like, you know, you think about like fathers and sons and people picking up the family business. Can you imagine what it's like? Like, you're the winningest all-time head coach and your son's one of the lowest. To turn. Like, that's got to be a tough thing,
3: I imagine, to deal with at Thanksgiving. Well, sometime, well right? on top of that, Mike Shula was the head coach at Alabama and an offensive coordinator with the Carolina right. Panthers. So, um, you know, both his coaches, uh, his sons were into coaching. Yep. I know so much about this so I can speak to it. But, you know, David Shula still had a career in coaching. Mm-hmm. And could have continued on as an assistant coach and gone the route of Mike Shula, but chose to get into the the uh, the steakhouse business. Yeah. And and that's and he is the one that spearheaded, uh, Coach Shula's uh, steakhouses, which are wildly popular all over the country. That was a conscious know, decision that David do made. Do you know
4: who is number seven on this all-time list? Too, who's actually just finally won his first Super Bowl is Andy Reid. Now I know the schedule is a little longer than it was back in the day. But Andy Reid is number seven overall with two hundred and seven victories, and I've always said that I thought Andy Reid was a, an absolute Hall of Fame football coach. And I said all he needed was that one Super Bowl victory, and I think he's a clear cut Hall of Famer now that he's yeah he could
3: be. Right. I mean, two hundred
4: seven that's number seven and, and, and
3: overall. I, I think the point more so so to me was like I just don't think that Nick Saban when he's retired is just gonna you know sit with you and have a beer and have fun like I there's just but Shula, right. But Shula was, and that to me, it's just like you would never, you you sat around in a room, I sat around in a room among former Dolphins players, you would never think for a minute that this guy could be a nice guy. Well, I think, but isn't it like, I feel like that, maybe that's an old
4: Italian thing too, where it's like, you know, they got these workhorse mentality guys, but when you take them out of that workhorse environment, also my grandfather was like that, too. My grandfather was tough as nails, son of a bitch. He was the life of the party, you know, friendly, hey, you know, a couple of drinking. Maybe, drinks, you know, all maybe it stuff. is.
3: I just don't think that applies to all the coaches. I think some coaches no. in college, especially now, Joe, when they're done coaching, they go home, they're still a coach, you know. I, I, I don't know that I see it that way, mm-hmm. but I, I can't speak to it all, and I can only, uh, you know, certainly speak to Shula, uh, but his career was certainly interesting, and you talked about him starting off with the Colts and then going on to the Miami Dolphins, the perfect season, I don't care what anybody says. That's never going to happen again in the NFL. The Patriots were the closest. They couldn't do it. Um, that's it. I mean, he's got back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Then he takes over with Dan Marino. Those teams were unbelievably blessed offensively. They couldn't play a lick of defense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and what's crazy and true is that the end of Don Shula's coaching career as a member of the Miami Dolphins was sad. And it it was the kind of thing where you would offer any NFL team right now and say, give me a coach that's going to coach and win 10 games every single year for a decade. You're never going to win a Super Bowl, but you're going to win nine, 10 games every single year. You're going to go to the playoffs every single year. Isn't that good enough? 20 teams would take that right now. 25 teams would take that right now. And because they never won that Super Bowl with Miami and it was coming to the end, of, of Dan Marino's career, they chose to hire Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, and, and, and at the time, was... I mean, obviously, Jimmy Johnson was
4: Mr. Coaching. I mean, coming off those victories with the Super Bowl victories with the Cowboys, but... You know, they kind of fell victim to those great early '90s Buffalo Bills teams. That's that's kind of what happened. To that that era after '84, when they had made it to the Super Bowl with Marino, and everyone thought, okay, well they're going to be a shoe and be in there every year. It took them a long time to get really competitive in that sense again. They had and no then defense ever. They had no defense, and really not much of a running game too. They, I didn't, think, run the, I think well, they didn't run
3: the well. Running was big back then. That's running true. was yeah. a big part now of the game back matter. then. <laughs> now no, it and,
4: matter. No, and and they ran. I mean, I'm telling you, when you're in that same division with those Buffalo Bills teams that went to four straight Super Bowls. Those were, that was a juggernaut of a team. I mean, they ran the football, they threw the football, they played defense, they did everything you wanted, and there were some tough losses. They also had, if I recall, you remember specifically one where they had to go to Buffalo and they got hammered in that game in the playoffs. Like, they, well, they were not a team that traveled well.
3: Got hammered by a lot of teams on the road. But
4: specifically, you know, that cold weather environment where you take the team from South Florida and drop them in
3: Buffalo in January. It's a
4: bad system,
3: you know? Well, rest in peace, Coach Shula, for sure. The show is dedicated to him, without a doubt. Um, Got a chance to know him for many years and uh, proud to know him as well on the Mount Rushmore of coaches and on the Mount Rushmore of South Florida sports icons. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. It's this day
2: in fantasy sports and our fantasy sports birthdays
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Today is May the 5th, 2020. How did you spend your... May the 4th, Joe, did you end up watching any Star Wars movies? Did you go through the trilogy like ESPN Plus or uh, Disney Plus, excuse me, was asking you to do? ESPN, Disney are the same. Uh, Did you watch any of the old movies, the new movies, anything? I actually did. I
4: actually uh, got up in the morning with the kids and New Hope was on and we had breakfast to New Hope. We were eating during the cantina scene, which is great. And and something I realized that I never realized before, all these years, seen this movie a million times, the first words out of Han Solo's mouth. Do you know what they are, Craig Mish? Ooh, can you set the scene a little? Sure. We're in the cantina. They go to meet him. Chewbacca brings Obi-Wan Kenobi over to meet Han Solo. What's the first thing? It's so Han Solo. The first thing he says out of his mouth. Mm, I don't know. He says, Han Solo. I mean, I mean, what's more Han Solo than that? About? Hey, I'm right here. I'm the man. I'm going gonna... <laughs> to introduce myself. Well done. I mean, think about that. Like, that is quintessential space cowboy. You introduce yourself right there. You, the first thing out of your mouth is just your name. Just like John Wayne or whatever it is, man. The coolest of the cool. We did a comparison, actually. We casted NFL players for all these roles and all these things going on. It's a major league baseball players for Star Wars yesterday on the podcast I did. And we had Brett Favre as Han Solo. We thought That's he's the gunslinger.
1: Comparison. Right.
4: He's also kind of questionable in terms of his sexual activity and the things he might do. We feel like that was very Han Solo. And then we tried to think of where where do we go next from there? Where do we go with Kylo Ren? Who's the offshoot? We tried to tie them together. Like who's moody, emo Kylo Ren? Aaron Rodgers. It's perfect. He just like he tries to kill his dad. I mean, it's just it's just beautiful. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, the the Kylo Ren and and Han Solo of the NFL. There you go. Not bad. Not bad. It was Bubby Brister. Where did he figure it out? Uh, Bubby Brister, I think, was Jar Jar Binks, I think, or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> Count Dooku or something. <laughs> that's the way that I would have went with it.
3: So today is May the 5th, and for those of you who watch the show every day, I know that we've uh, changed our clocks around a little bit. It's usually a little bit later in the show. So uh, those of you who watch every day, usually around 15 after the hour, we're going to knock out our This Day in Fantasy Sports and our Fantasy Sports birthday. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. And here they are for May the 5th. And we'll start off in 1973, uh, Joe was really interesting over the weekend, I don't know if he had a chance to catch this, but they had a virtual horse race with a lot of the best horses ever, and Secretariat ended up winning the Triple Crown after Secretariat it was the fastest ever, of course, in 1973 uh, at the 99th Kentucky Derby. And I suppose, Joe, that's fair to say that horse racing and Secretariat are sort of synonymous, and so it did make a lot of sense that horse racing went virtual, and it made sense that Secretariat would have won that race, but I think that when most of us think of the best horses of all time, that's usually the first one that comes to mind. Uh, Yeah, I imagine so. A lot of
4: horse movies, too. I don't get the whole, yeah, I don't don't think I've ever sat through a horse movie. I'll watch the Kentucky Derby just for the novelty of it. I actually placed my first Horse bet ever a couple years ago at a wedding in Las Vegas. A friend of mine got married by Elvis. He flew me out there for it. it Was a great time. Happened to be Kentucky Derby weekend. Put it all on the favorite. Guess what? It won. And that's it. I was never gonna bet on a horse again. That was it. The one and only time in my whole life. And I'm just gonna get out and I'm gonna be you like. Remember a the horse? Uh, was it two years ago? So you tell me. Who I don't. I don't. Even, I don't even remember the horse. That's how sad it is. that's, that's terrible. Bad job by me. I don't. Whoever won the Kentucky Derby two years ago, that's who it was. 2018? Uh, yes, 2018. But we'll yes. get to that. So let's save we'll, get it. To it.
3: we'll get We'll, we'll get save to it. we got a apparently, long way to apparently. go. Apparently. Uh, okay, so to 1978 we go. Uh, Pete Rose gets his 3,000th hit. And he went on to become the all-time hits leader. And you know, the unfortunate part about this, of course, Joe, is that Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame. The other unfortunate part about all this is that no one will be uh, have a ceremony this year at the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. And uh, that's that's kind of stinks to me, but I guess we'll get double our price in 2021. They said, I mean, I suppose they could change their mind, but the problem for this one, Joe, is, uh, you know, aside from Pete Rose, having Derek Jeter getting into the Hall of Fame and being in New York, you would assume that they would put some big crowds in. But anyway, this day, 1978, Joe, Pete Rose, you were young, I was young, so obviously I don't remember it, but I remember all the rest of Pete Rose's highlights. Well, I, I was born
4: in 1978, so I don't remember. it. But I'm trying to remember. Was he an Expo when this happened? Because I, no, I want to. No, he, he was, was not a member yet. of the Reds. You still the Reds, okay? Because I know we had we had Pete Rose, Cincinnati Reds, Phillies, Expos, right? And then I'm trying sure to remember what Reds. the order was. Okay, and yeah. then back to the Reds. I could never remember it was Expos post. Phillies or pre Phillies. I always get that confused. Do you recall? what uh, Post Phillies. It was post Phillies. Okay. Yes. I mean, look, Pete Rose should be in the hall of fame. I'm fine with that. I mean, I, I think it's like the oldest thing. It's like the oldest argument, but I mean enough already. Like, you know, we think about all of the awful people and the awful things that they've done They're in the Major League baseball hall of fame. And I'm sure the NFL hall of fame has some, some real classy it as well. I mean, enough is enough. He, he's paid his dues. I mean, it's a terrible thing. Was, he's not the nicest guy in the world. He's got a lot, a lot of other side things around. It's not very good. I kind of take umbrage, and I know you hate hot take radio, so I'm treading on very, very
3: thin ice here with oh, you. Well, it's TV, so it's okay now.
4: Oh, okay. Oh, so that's great. It's like we're, <laughs> TMZ. We're TMZ with Craig Bish right here. I still feel like if when I think about who's the, like the hit king, the guy who comes to my head is Ichiro. And it comes to my mind because I don't care if it was in Japan. I saw this guy hit enough in the major leagues. If you're telling me he played his entire, year, his entire career with the, in the American League, National League here over in the States, that he wouldn't have as many hits as Pete Rose, I, I think you're not paying attention. I think he is the greatest pure, that kind of contact hitter that's ever existed. Ted Williams is the greatest hitter, but I think of like hit king and all time things. My mind still goes to Ichiro, not P. Rose, and I'm sure that upsets a lot of people. And I really don't I, care.
3: No, I mean, I don't think it upsets anybody. I, I mean, think it you, does. Oh, you, I you think can make Stupid comments. It doesn't mean that everybody. No, does.
4: Oh, oh, me. I do all the time, and it upsets people, and I do it anyway.
3: No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's obviously nonsense. I mean, Why? The, Why is it take nonsense? Take stats Stop from, from Japan. He doesn't even play in the U.S. Team. You can't take a. You can't take. You can call him your hit king, but you can't take stats from another league, another country, and put them in. This you know, country doesn't if make I sense. I gave
4: you that hypothetical and said he came up at 19 in the major leagues like Pete what do Rose. Have, what do he have? Maybe. I don't know. Guy had a Probably. lot of 200 seasons. You know. But he didn't. Right. Also, a lot of better seasons than Pete Rose, too. Pete Rose is, look, Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle, tough player, all these things. Pete Rose was never the best player on his own team ever.
3: Either was Hank Aaron. Well, Hank Aaron also oh, had with- Hank Aaron was the best player on his team for on his years. On his team, but there was yeah. always better play. He played I'm saying
4: on his team, he wasn't even the best player, Pete uh, Rose. Uh, Johnny Bench know. was always a better player than him. There were years where George Foster was better than him. There were years where Tony Perez was better than him. Pete Rose was just a really good player for I'm a sure very there long had period. to
3: be a year or two where he was the best. Well,
4: he player. was the best player on the Reds? Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Go look at it. it's a it's a stunning thing. Whereas Ichiro, there's some years he's the best player on his of team. Of course he was. Yeah.
3: yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, nineteen ninety five final game ever at the Boston Garden, and uh, you know look, the Celtics had a lot of success, of course, at the Garden, Joe. But let's not mistake it; they had a lot of success outside of the Garden too, winning a championship with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce yeah. and uh, Ray Allen in that group as well. So that happened in uh, nineteen ninety five. Uh, 2007, we have Street Sense winning the 133rd Kentucky Derby, and then two years ago, uh, the 2018, I don't know if this is the one, if it rings a bell for you, but Justify won the one hundred thirty third. I think
4: that's it. I, I'm justified to forget it because that's it. But yes, that's exactly who it was, and this is exactly what it was two years ago. And of course, like every you know, degenerate, uh, I won and I went, man, I should have put more money down on that, right? Yeah. What, a, what a terrible thing I did. You know, go back to the old Boston Garden for a second too. I yeah. love some of those old stories that people would tell about how hot it was in that building and how they would crank it up on certain teams that they, and, and the, the Celtics were conditioned for that building. They knew how to play in, when it was so hot, but they would intentionally crank it up and other teams would complain, especially in the playoffs, about how hot it was in that building. And you'd see people, like you'd see people in the crowd in the cutaways. Just sweating bullets, right. just horrible, and that and that old parquet floor. That did they not take that floor? I remember it because it was such a special thing, and take it and
3: remove it and put it in the new one. I, thought I they, think they did initially. I don't know if it's. Still I don't think there it's though.
4: still there though. But I think initially they
3: I think tried. You're probably to, right. That sounds right. Yeah.
4: That that's a special thing. You know, you think about those special courts and special stadiums and things like that. That old Boston Garden with that floor and that. You know, you see that image of Larry Bird and and Parrish and McHale and all those guys. Those are some fantastic teams. And I well, used to love well, that. Was,
3: perhaps. perhaps we'll do our stadium tour with Boston next week. Oh. We've, we've, we've done a month of these, Joe. We've really ran through almost every team, but we, We. I don't know. I Brett, have we done Boston? I don't know. I we'll remember. have to, we'll have to throw it in there. The old park parquet floor, baby. Think about it. Go back on demand. By the way, you can check out our show on demand on YouTube. Make sure you like, and subscribe to all of our shows. We post these every single day usually in the afternoon to evening after the show airs. So make sure you please, again, like and subscribe, subscribe, and set your notifications to on on this show. All right, uh, birthdays today for May the 5th. This is this day in fantasy sports. You see the picture there of uh, Harold Miner. We'll get to him in a second. 1969 Hideki Arabu, very sadly, uh, no longer with us at this point. Uh, Joe, this was a huge phenomenon with uh, Hideki Arabu, of course, when he first came up. I remember having a fantasy team, having a Rabu on my fantasy team his first year. I remember going to a bar to watch a Rabu pitch <laughs> in his first game and it was a pretty good game and so was the second and then that was it.
4: So, yeah, I was gonna say, you might need a lot more drinks after that. Do you remember what Steinbrenner called him? I, I'll never yeah, forget it.
3: the fat
4: toad. A yes. fat pussy toad, not Ooh, just don't a toad. I remember that. Oof. Fat Pussy Toad. Those are the PG words. PG-13 TV. Hey, hey, well, I mean, come on. It's like PG. Come on, have you, have you watched TV now? don't spell the word out. Uh, well, I said pussy. I did that. <laughs> that's that's what, that's what he called him. Uh, but Yadigui Rabu also had that weird kind of Babe Ruthish look to him, too, where he people were calling him like this. this they were put the pictures of him and Babe Ruth together, and they were like, oh, look at that. He looks like Babe Ruth. No, not not really as, as successful as they had hoped, but... I, I think that was the height of that whole posting system, too, where you know all these guys were coming over from the Japanese leagues and making a ton of money and mixed success, to say the least.
3: Yep. Uh, LaFonso Ellis, born in 1970, really good player in the NBA for the Nuggets at the end with the Miami Heat. Uh, 1971, Harold Miner, uh, who was drafted by the Heat, won the NBA Slam Dunk Contest. They called him Baby Jordan. He was nothing close. 1990, uh, 1973, Musin Mohamed, uh, former receiver of the Carolina mm. Panthers, had a really good career. 1980, Ike Taylor was born, great defensive back for the Steelers for many years, and then we end on uh, James Conner, born in 1995. Joe, any thoughts on any of these particular players that have Uh, lost Lucian
4: Muhammad, man. I mean, that was a big body, tough wide receiver. I remember him on those Panthers teams, the one that went to the Super Bowl and then uh, ended up losing to the Patriots there on one of those classic Vinatieri kicks, but man... Muhammad was one of those guys. It was like that prototype, big bodied wide receiver. He had some good years there with DeLome. I think he ended up with the Bears later on, too, if memory serves. That sounds so, right. Yeah, Muhammad was was that guy for me. And I think you kind of, you know, you see a lot of him, Anquan Bolden. Those are kind of guys in that era that the big bodied wide receiver that almost looked like tight ends, man. These guys
3: were way different body types. And that's kind of more like what you see today with the Julio Joneses of the world. Yeah, for sure. And, look, the Panthers have not had a lot of great wide receivers since then. He and Steve Smith just – That's it. it. That was, was a hell was. of a
4: duo. And when you think about how different they were, right, Steve Smith is the smaller guy, tough as nails, running. and then Moussa Muhammad, that big-bodied guy you can get down in the red zone, really, really tough to guard and stop both those guys.
3: It was. All right, those are our fantasy sports birthdays and this day in fantasy sports for May the 5th. Joe and I will take a quick timeout, and when we come back, more – discussion about the best coaches of all time with the passing of former Miami Dolphins head coach Don Shula. Don't go away. We'll
2: be right back here on Fantasy Sports Today after this break. DailyRoto.com
3: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pisapia here with you as we continue on with our edition of our program. Hope everyone is staying safe, staying healthy, and certainly staying inside. That's kind of what we want at this point. I know a lot of you out there are uh, making your way around, but please, uh, you know, stay safe while doing it because we all want sports to come back to this country for sure. In case you missed an earlier segment on the show, you're watching us on demand, just hit that little rewind button and you can go back and hear Joe and I talk about Uh, the passing of Don Shula yesterday and some of my personal stories about uh, Coach Shula. If you find those interesting, just go back and hit that rewind button. It's uh, right about the first uh, beginning of the segment here. If you're watching the show live, we'll continue on. And I figured it's probably a good time, Joe, to sort of dive in on where Coach Shula ranks and where some of the other coaches rank all time in terms of all sports. And I, I think it's a subjective list. That's, that's what I've come up with here at this point. I, I think you can argue your way for anyone at any time uh, you know, that, that, is, that is close within this realm. There's just so many guys that won at the highest level that it was really hard to put this thing together. But certainly, I guess you can judge it by championships. On the other hand, can you judge it by championships? Because some coaches just walked into great situations Some had to build their organizations. So I don't know how you see it, Joe. And what do you sort of base your opinion on?
4: Well, I think you're trying to hybrid everything because you're right. Some people walk into great situations. Uh, You think about like Mike Tomlin walked into a really good situation. You think about, how about George Seifert who has more wins as a head coach than Bill Walsh? Most people don't realize that, but Bill Walsh spent a couple years there in San Francisco toiling away trying to build this West Coast offense into a thing until he found the quarterback that he was finally looking for in Montana and then drafted Rice a couple years later and things really took off. But I think my my only problem with this list is, you know, as great of a coach as Don truly is, and I understand it's kind of very fresh for everybody this week. I don't think I can put him as high up on this list as he is right now at number three. I think you have to put Red Auerbach back in that top five. And the reason is when you win nine NBA championships in 10 years, and I understand there's less teams during that era, but that's dominance. I mean, that is dominating. And I think that's what you have to look at. You have to look at how dominant were you in your era. And Don Shula was terrific over a very long period of time. But, you know, how many dominant dynasties did he have? He really didn't have one. He had that great team that went undefeated, obviously. um, But Two two Super Bowl champs. Two Super Bowl championships. But when you compare him to to Belichick, you know, I mean, Belichick's got six and nine appearances. I mean, that's that's stunning. I I
3: think that people have put Belichick ahead of him now. No No one's arguing
4: that. I think what you do is you take Shula off of number three. And you probably drop him out of that top five. I think you put Red Auerbach at number three overall. I think John Wooden, you know, when you think college basketball icon, I, I'm surprised Mike Krzyzewski didn't make your list. I, I see Dean uh, Smith in there, just, which makes just sense. Just
3: outside. Yeah, just um, outside. But anyway, let's, ta- let's take a closer look here sure. and go through it. Uh, so John Wooden, I have number one, winning 10 NCAA basketball championships. I have Belichick, two with the uh, six Super Bowl champions. Uh, I had Shula at five, and I, I don't know. I just felt like for today, moving him up. I guess. <laughs> he was <laughs>
4: sentimental. That's what I love about you. I gotta I do like it. I gotta put such him up. a hard ass. You're such a tough guy. You, you know, you're so prickly, but deep down, you're just a big mush, Craig Nash. You're Craig Fair Bush. Just that's like who Don you Shula.
3: Are. Hashtag 147 NFL victories and two Super Bowls. Vince Lombardi, of course, before the Super Bowl <laughs> was the Super Bowl. Won the right. NFL championship and had five of those. And Bear Bryant, Joe. Before we get to six through ten, let's touch on these. Bear Bryant. Uh, basically caps off the top five that I have here for, yeah. uh,
4: for coaches. Uh, and look, I mean, you have to talk about Vince Lombardi on uh, the five league championships, people forget that. Uh, but, you know, you have to – it's not just Super Bowls, boys and girls. You know, <laughs> he won championships before there was such a thing as the Super Bowl. And, and a guy who really, you know, I, I think you could look at those Green Bay Packer teams and that is where the NFL professional football really started to take hold. Because professional football – was kind of you know the redheaded stepchild of the sports world for so long in the 40s and the, into the 50s. Yeah, it is hard to believe now that's where we are. But I think Vince Lombardi is that guy that really put that stamp and those Packer teams in the Packer way and creating a culture in professional football that really didn't exist of consistent winning. And I, I've got to have him ahead of Shula. I got to have Bear Bryant ahead of Shula. And it's funny because you look at this list and right off the bat, you have two college coaches here. I'm going to ask you the question here. Do you think it is easier to coach with college kids as opposed to the professional or the reverse? Because you're dealing with a turnover of roster, but at the same time you're dealing with kids on scholarships and things like that, and you have a lot more control over them or power over them as opposed to the professional athlete and the money and the, and the contracts. Do you think it's more of an accomplishment to be a great college coach or a great professional coach? You
3: no, know, it's a good question. Um, I, I, I see merits in both, and if you just look at coaches that have gone from college to pro they not a lot of them have had that success but on the flip side we don't have a ton of guys that have gone from the NFL back to college either so it's really hard to gauge that as well so I would say that there is there's merits to both of it but during the time that John Wooden was coaching or during the time that Bear Bryant was coaching or for that matter during the time that Don Shula was coaching Look, money was still a factor with Shula for sure, but it wasn't what it is now and not even close.
1: So no,
4: it, it's not. But, I mean, the modern-day NFL – They didn't even have free agency
3: in the NFL. No,
4: no, it's a fascinating thing to ask. I mean, if I asked you if I gave you a, a choice of a coaching job, any coaching job you want, professional or college, though, you had to pick. I mean, it's it's interesting because you got it, you're dealing with the politics of university. You're dealing with boosters. You're dealing with NCAA rules and how to get around them and how to do all these things as opposed to – yeah, every, everything you can do, we know what it, it's professional football, you could do anything you want to do out inside these guidelines, but you're right. dealing with contracts, you're dealing with uh, professionals, it's a whole different environment, and the expectation is, you know, win or, or go home. And, you know, sometimes in college, it's like that too, but I feel like there's a little bit more of a, I don't know, a little bit more of a wider berth, I think, sometimes uh, in the college game where they're letting somebody try to build a program sometimes.
3: Yeah, it, it could be the case. Again, like I said, a lot of this is very subjective. So it's it's not – I'm not going to have the last word, neither will you. It's just a matter of of um, of just having different opinions on this. That'd oh, sure. Fun. Um, okay, so uh, that's our top five. Let's close out this with the uh, top ten, essentially, six through ten. I suppose Scotty Bowman is – I mean, I didn't realize that this guy won nine <laughs> Stanley Cup yeah. champions. Like, I, I don't, I don't I even remember. remember that. I mean – Honestly, like a lot of it, it's just staggering to see yeah. that he's won this many. But he has nine. Dean Smith has 11 Final Four appearances, and that's just bonkers, too, having 11. Uh, Paul Brown, seven league championships. Of course, this is before the Super Bowl. The mm-hmm. Browns named their team after Paul Brown. So yeah. we've got we to the... go on this
2: list for that. Let's,
4: <laughs> let's have more of that. I want I more people to get named, at, you know when are the Jets going to become the Edwardses or something like that? Like, well, let's do the that. Let's the, the Gases. The Gases. <laughs> they name it on the Gases. I can tell you that for sure. I mean, but if, if they were the New York Parcells, I mean, that would be perfectly fine. <laughs> you know, the Giants could take on Parcells. Uh, it's it's a stunning thing to think about. And uh, and then for Paul Brown to then, you know, to then move and then <laughs> create another organization too after that is almost as, as shocking when you think about it. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, you look at the list you have here, and Scotty Bowman does come to mind. I'm glad you got somebody from the NHL on there, too, because what happens is sometimes with the NHL, correct me if I'm wrong, you get teams that have great runs, but sometimes the coaches change in the middle of those runs because for whatever reason, they're apt to, like, take a guy out and then put some other guy in, and then, like, two years later, they bring back that same guy. The NHL coaching carousel is a very, very strange one compared to any other sport that I've ever seen. But Scotty Bowman deserves all the credit. Nine stanley cups that is that is just mind-blowing when you think about it and the, in an era in the nhl was really competitive too
3: yeah for sure uh as i mentioned dean smith paul brown red arbach i have in the top 10 and then eddie robinson look i'm sorry the guy coached 57 years in the same place at college I mean, I, i'm i sorry the guy and, and won a ton of two-way championships um i gotta put eddie robinson on this list there's I, I gotta put look.
4: mike chishevsky on the list though don't you i mean
3: do we going to take off
4: Ah, uh, you know, I understand fifty-seven years of coaching, but I mean, I I think I would take off Eddie Robinson. It, it's it's funny. I'm trying to think. You know, you look at this list. You've got all basketball and NHL and football, no baseball guys, no baseball. Why is that the no baseball? I'm just curious. You're been. Mr.
3: Baseball? Who would it be? Uh,
4: for managers with all-time success rates, I mean that that's a question. I mean. When you look at all time managerial wins, I'm sure it's what like the Connie Max and Casey Stengels of the world, probably right. And in modern day baseball, Walter guys like
3: Leo DeRoscher, yeah,
4: yeah um, I mean it's, you got to go back Joe to those
3: teams.
4: Joe Tory, I mean that's one you could put in there. You know, Joe Torrey is a special breed because it
3: had he had to deal with Steinbrenner. I mean, that, that's that's asking I, a lot. I know. I just don't. I don't see anyone in baseball no. that eclipsed these guys. No, and I, and I think that that tells you how tough it is in baseball right? Because that long yep. season, it just
4: grinds on everybody. And it's very difficult to over 162 games years and years and years to have that same voice. Joe Torrey is is one of those guys that's had a great run with a team. But really, you think about it, how many guys in the last, I don't know, generation here have had really good runs? I mean, Sparky Anderson had a lot of great runs, a big red machine, that went again yeah. with, with the Tigers. Uh, but it's tricky, man. It is really tough. you know, But about uh, Phil I,
3: I got to put on there. I got
4: to put how, Mike Krzyzewski. How
3: about, how about
4: Phil Jackson? Oh, uh, That's another good one, too. I can make a strong case for him. I, about, I, I get frustrated when people say, well, Phil Jackson only won when he had great players. Well, you know what? How much did those great players win without Phil Jackson? Shaquille O'Neal didn't have any championships until Phil Jackson came into L.A. Michael true. Jordan didn't have any championships until Phil Jackson came into Chicago. I think it's sometimes that combination. And you have to respect that. Sometimes you need a certain kind of coach who knows how to get the most out of a superstar and get him to play that game with the surrounding cast in the right way and get a surrounding cast around him. that's going to work in a system. And that triangle offense. I mean, that's that's Phil Jackson. That's his thing. I mean, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Phil Jackson. I I think he belongs on this list, too. What about Pat Riley? I would put Phil Jackson ahead of Pat Riley. Really? Wow. I would. Well, I mean, look, I know you're a Florida guy, and I know the Heat Listen, had a lot what of what
3: what were the Lakers without Pat Riley? Yeah, but what were the Heat with him? You know, they he had more than two. one
4: run. He had a run there with the Bulls, and he had a run there with the Lakers. Riley had the one run with the Lakers. That's it. What, what really about the team. Heat? Really good teams. How many championships did he win with the Heat? One. One. How many championships did uh, Kobe and Shaq and Phil win together? Three? Several,
3: yeah. <laughs> what about yeah. the Knicks? He made the—he was the only guy to make the Knicks relevant. Got them to the, oh, the Eastern Conference Finals yeah, and I, the Finals. I, I,
4: will, I will take up—he was not the only guy. Jeff Van Gundy did a hell of a job with those Knicks teams. I understand it was yeah, in the post-Riley probably.
3: Yeah.
4: I understand, but he—Jeff Van Gundy did get him to the finals.
3: After after Riley left, you sent yeah. the letter and He faxed in his resignation. Hey, look, did Pat Jeff Riley Dunn, Dunn, took it over. We're talking
4: top ten all time. I'm going to put hour back. I'll put Phil Jackson ahead okay. of both of them.
3: I personally, and that's what's fun about these it's, debates. It's, it's a subjective it's a list, for sure. No it is. It. it is. All right. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick time out here on Sports Grid here on Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to take a look at season win totals for a couple of teams in the NFL. Also, we've got our stadium tour, so we'll... Uh, Take a look at a couple of uh, teams and stadiums and some of the historical players that played there as well. This is Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. Don't forget, we're on every single day from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. A little bit later in the day, you can catch Scott Farrell on his show Coast to Coast. Of course, Game Time Decisions and all of the great shows that are on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Joe and I will be right back after this quick commercial break, so don't go anywhere. We've got plenty more. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, Craig. Bish Joe Pizzoppia here with you on the show. Of course, uh, Joe and I talked a lot of fantasy football last season as he and I went through the gamut of all the discussions. And certainly when football season comes around again, we will dive right back into that. And we've got some futures discussions coming up over-unders, if we have any interest on it, against it. Whatever the case may be, we've been kind of looking at the numbers since they came out at the FanDuel Sportsbook. So we'll dive into that in just a little bit. Uh, Before we do that, Joe, we haven't had a chance to catch up on much baseball. Uh, It's been, honestly, for me, very difficult for a lot of different reasons. Of course, number one, missing baseball, that's for sure. But number two, it's been tough because, as you know, since the Super Bowl more or less ended in February... Uh, you know, or even January. That's been a big part of what I have been discussing here on this show. And I know that you do a lot on Diamond Bets, and you've been diving more into the historical stuff, and so have I. But it has been really hard for me to just bang this drum on the same exact players and same exact topics the entire time. So, look, I'm I'm just kind of wondering, from your perspective, (laughs) like, the prep is done, right? It's, like, been six months already or five months already. And when the season starts, I guess it'll be time again to – revisit this and start previewing it again but a lot of people have asked me because they've been watching the show a lot saying you know craig so basically at this point you're more or less been off a lot of fantasy baseball discussion like you're doing 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day and joe the reason is is because as big as a fantasy baseball fan as i am and hosting shows for 10 years i find it a little boring to do the same <laughs> things over and well, over it's, again it's, the same well players. the normal
4: prep is three months right january february march That's, that's about your fancy baseball prep for the most part. Some, some lunatic people start in December and that's fine. I love those people because they buy black books. I love you. (laughs) You love the lunatic fringe. They're my people, but yeah, now we're into may. So, (laughs) you know, I think, I think to prepare for something for six months and it not be a child is a long time to prepare for anything. Really? I mean, this, this, how many things in life do you prepare six to nine months for? I mean, really let let alone this. Alone this, I, I think what's fascinating, and I think what uh, is going to be the real thing to sink our teeth into as things go on. Number one, the people whether were going to be injured, quote unquote, to start the season, the of Eugenio course. Suarez, the Willie Calhouns, how's Judge, know, Stan? Santon. All of those guys, I right? The Verlander, Verlander surgery. All of those things are now ancient history. Right. So for those people who are going to start ramping up again, those injuries are going to go into the back pocket now. Now. What's going to happen when things get ramped up? Because this is fascinating. We've never seen this. We've never seen a start and stop like this, where you started baseball and then had to pick it back up. The last time this has happened is probably, what, 1981 for the strike? It's the last time you had a kind of stoppage of a work stoppage like this.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to think for it. Yeah. Where they pick
4: back up. Oh, well, many... 90,
3: Actually, '95 it was more or less the same, because they didn't have spring training. They, they were, that The strike was still going into but spring training. But not a
4: stop and start. They,
3: they oh, came no, in not and like they this, played.
4: No. So we basically had a ramp up almost – almost full to a season. We were getting pretty deep into spring training there. Yeah. A week left. A week left. Right. And now we're stopping and picking up again. So how they, their bodies reacted and how things go. Well, we're going to ramp back up again and start spring training all over again, which look, I understand you want to get everybody out there and get things back together. Okay. But do we really need three weeks of spring training? Everybody pitches five innings anyway, for the most part, can we please just have two weeks and then just start that's the thing that I'm not a big fan of because what we're doing is we're opening up Pandora's box for more injuries. I feel like we're going to have to try to stretch guys out and all this stuff. Look, let's just get everybody out. Let's get some games going, especially if they are going to have a throw, man. They got, here's the question. They got to throw, but if you're going to expand the rosters, why do we have to have a three week spring training? Now, I, I guess, is my question to you. Can't we just go we have forward? To be
3: built up a little bit. Some of these guys, Joe, live in apartments and they can't even throw. They haven't left their apartment. They got to have some. I mean, you can't expect. They you do. You well, what, I'm saying,
4: what, what I'm saying is the, they might live in apartments, but everybody can walk outside and, and throw a ball. Not I necessarily,
3: mean, depending on where you are. Uh,
4: I mean, yeah. you had Joey
3: Gallo taking batting practice at his apartment, man. They can't simulate that kind of stuff.
4: What I'm saying, I mean, you're telling me that Joey Gallo doesn't have any grass anywhere around him that he can go out and play catch with one he of his didn't neighbors. Leave, he did, for a month, he didn't leave his apartment. Take a look. Uh, look, I, what I'm saying is I just think it's a long period of time. And that's what's going what's gonna to change the dynamic is when we get everybody back and then these new injuries start happening. And that's going to be the so most we're not going to know. We're not going to know. And the people who got discounts a- in mid-March on Willie Calhoun are and life. And the people that end up paying full price for other players and drafts who then get hurt in this new subsequent spring training. I mean, think about it. When we get – if this all does go according to plan, and right. I know the plan still being put together. Of course, There's a potential that we're going to start Major League Baseball with, let's see, seven weeks of spring training
3: already under our belts before a season starts. That's unheard of. We've never... I know, but it, but, it, but it's, they've eliminated a month of, of working I'm not out. saying you they can't ha- do it. You have to do a certain thing. You have to do something, John. I'm you with you. you. can't have these guys wake up out of bed. Well, wake up no, out of bed, you're going to have a you million. You can't have a wake. Yeah,
4: yeah. And I think no matter what we do, we're going to have possibly. I think you're probably
3: right. The, the, the dynamic that's the most interesting is that, from what I understand, and look, my understanding is the spring training is going to start in June, and so it'll be three weeks, is that I will not be able to go and cover it. So well, I'm
4: not sure that's, I know that's frustrating for you because you're so I know but none
3: there. of us are going to have any information except for what no, comes it's... out of the public relations team. And, and right. what are they going to tell us? I mean, I <laughs> everything's great.
4: Go. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. And oh, this guy had a
3: little bit of a, a sore. He's out for the year, you know, like <laughs> that's 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 the kind of thing that's, Well, you know, I, I know they happen. keep
4: going back and forth on what
3: it's going to be or what it's not going to be. Yeah, we don't know for sure. The proposed concept of these regionalized east, west I central. Think that's out. I think that's out.
4: I think that's going to be out too, Yeah. but I love this idea. I, love I thought idea. it was a good
3: idea too, the three. I love three the three idea of,
4: yeah. of making baseball regional again, like a hyper-regional game because it used to be that way. You and I grew up in that era of the divisions were you know, 10 teams deep, right? And it was right. something to – that battle for the division, it felt like something. It felt like a war – Going over it's teams allowed. and up and down. Right now it's this, well, you got five teams. <laughs> it's
3: like you know. Listen, I, I think it would have been a good idea to tinker with some things now, and this was really the time to do it. I don't well, know how right, far down that, the road they're going. Isn't that those. true though, Craig? Wouldn't this be the perfect time to of say,
4: course. "Hey, let's try it. If it stinks, ah, well, we we just took a hit on it. But what if it's great? What if we hit on something by accident? Of course, they should. And try, we're getting a free pass. They should I, try. I, don't know. I think it sucks that they're trying everything they can not to do that, I feel like.
3: Well, look, I, I, they're trying to play in the home parks because financially, Joe, it, it makes more sense to let the teams make money if the fans can come back in August and September. So why can't
4: with- we play in the home parks and still keep this concept of the hyper,
3: to limit travel, to oh, limit- uh, so Just changing the divisions for the sake of it?
4: I'm saying doing Maybe. it for the sake of it. And, and And hear me out. The reason being is, you want to limit travel. You want to limit how far people get outside of things. And if there is an issue, you can you know, work around smaller areas where if you're having people travel coast to coast unnecessarily, that's a lot. there's a lot of extra risk you're putting. By keeping everything regional, I think you can kind of reduce the risk a tad. But on top of that, you're going to give me a division that's got the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Phillies. I mean you're talking about like – Yeah, I don't like baseball.
3: that for the Marlins. It's not good. I'm sure you don't look like for the Marlins. I get that, but not was fair. it really any good to begin with? I mean, it wasn't any good. But this best. is even
4: worse. <laughs> it might be better though. I mean, the Red Sox no, might, might be bad. better. Tampa Bay's in there too. What I'm saying is, to make baseball a regional game again, I think is a fantastic thing. Baseball needs something. It needs need a hat
3: that says "Make baseball regional again."
4: Well, I, I don't have any hats. I can tell you, I'm not. I'm not making any hats with any slogans on them but any time. I'm
3: just saying you could. But
4: uh, you know how what you know what I want. I want to make baseball. I mean, you look at what the Little League World Series is, right? right. It is the. It is one. Of, it's beloved. Everybody loves it. It's hyper regional and it's a tournament. Why? Why do we have to have a season now? When there's so many other options for sports, that is 162-game regular season that's twice as long as everything else. This is a unique opportunity. We've been handed a gift as baseball fans, and I understand the history of the game is important. I get all that. But at a certain point, Craig, when does history prohibit your future? When does getting hung up on, well, this is the way we always did it, stop you from making progress and competing? Because baseball is in danger of becoming a distant third. It's already a third. It could become a distant
3: third. Yeah, but it could be. But there'll a dis- always be a market for it. We're going to be okay there. Let me let me go back to fantasy here for a minute. This mm-hmm. is a conversation that I had with somebody the other day who, right. uh, in fantasy, who completely disagrees with me. Look, you know that I'm very transparent with this stuff. I'll tell you when I think things are great, when they stink, what's good, what's not. I just got done telling you that, like people, shockingly enough, that I'm not talking about fantasy baseball on my fantasy baseball show. Why? Because it's boring. Like <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth. But I will say this, and this was told to me, no. I think there's going to be more interest and more people drafting in a short period of time when they decide the season is back than ever before in the history of There'll be more people
4: social. watching. I agree.
3: This I think, is my and, argument. And, and somebody said to me, no, at that point, not people won't be into it because they're getting ready for football. I'm like, what? I'm like, no way. Like, anything that's on TV, any sport that is active, I think people are going to want to get heavily involved. I think you'll have more... I don't think anybody's going to be paying attention to their fantasy teams in August. That I understand. That might be true, but more people will be paying attention to I
4: baseball be because of the like crazy and because of the fact that it's not as long-term of a relationship. The relationship with the baseball season right now, That's a good point because too, of the world seasons. we live in, is such an on-demand universe there's just too much competition. When it was 1947 and there was nothing else going on, and there's a war, and you know, we're, we're in the 60s where you got a couple channels on and while well, the ball game's on, that's fine. We don't live in that world anymore. If baseball was 101, and I know you're never going to get rid of the games, but can we restructure the way we play them? I understand the players' union's so powerful. I get that, but can we take a hunt Can we run a hundred games into July 4th? Have a great All-Star game, and then when you come back from the All-Star game, start a tournament for the World Series. I'm telling you the betting, the 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 fantasy ramifications the the hop out of oh okay the playoffs have started and it's going to be this amazing 62 game playoff or 61 game whatever it ends up being however you structure the games and then you give me the world series to end it all and make the october classic in october again not at the very very end in freaking halloween hat.
3: make october october make
4: october october again and then get out get out because that is the problem like we go too far and people say, "Well, then you're playing meaningless games." So the Royals are playing meaningless games in September anyway. So what? Have them playing for a draft slot? Have them playing playing for something? Uh, all
3: I ask is, are more people going to be interested or not? You're changing yeah. the rules. That, I, that, I, it was, it was a yes, yes or no question. you talking five. Minutes, right?
4: Yes, yes, but you need me that's to talk what for I minutes.
3: That's no, what I think. No, I, I do, but that's but my legitimate question was: yeah. Am I yes. crazy for thinking? No that yes, it's going to be the, the most popular fantasy baseball draft season in June of 2020 of all time.
4: Yes, you are right. I yes, we're still to crazy be. anyway. And on top of which, this is an opportunity for everybody to look at it and go, hey, if ratings are up and people are interested again in baseball, Maybe it's the long-term commitment. We have to think of a better way to lay out these 162.
3: Maybe after the year.
4: Laying that out there, this is the time to do it because you have it in your hand. You have an opportunity where the circumstances have said, here, try something different because you have to. And if you try something different and the style of it works, going backwards I think is death next year.
3: Well, we'll see about that. But either way, Commissioner Joey P. just gave you his, uh, his opinion on how the season should change. We'll see if there are any changes or what will happen. Of course, we'll cover it for you right here on SportsGrid. All right, that'll do it for our first hour. For those of you who are on the YouTube channel, make sure you keep your playlist active because we've got our second hour coming up next. Fantasy Sports Today, wherever you're
2: watching, get back to show. You